It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Guessman, coming to you from, uh, let's see, still not COG Studios. It hasn't been COG Studios in a really long time. It's funny that I sort of defaulted back to that, but we're coming to you on a Monday, August 17th. Uh, the LA Galaxy, it's a game week for them coming up on Saturday. LA Galaxy travel to Bank of California Stadium to take on LAFC. We're going to give you timing, and we have some other timing uh, information on some of the other games the LA Galaxy will be playing. This set of six that spans between August 22nd and Sunday, September 13th. So we have some information on that. The LA Galaxy uh, did some did some moves today, made some moves. Not really something that was uh, super exciting, but we're going to talk a little bit about how they got some more uh, general allocation money. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the U.S. Open Cup um, and whether or not that's going to go on. Hint, hint, it's not. Uh, a bunch of rumors, and including one confirmed and a five-star rumor here on the Corner of the Galaxy Tracker. Uh, we're going to talk about that player, a 26-year-old Colombian. So uh, a lot of things to get to, a little bit of an injury update as well. We'll get you through the standings and some questions. So lots of things going on to help me do it all. It's the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? It's a lot better here in civilization where the air conditioner is on. Um, it's just great. You should get an air conditioner. It's great. I, I have three air conditioners, just not one in what? this particular room. So, you know, it's, 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 hey, it is what it is. Central, it's a pandemic. Central air. Central, central air. air. That's if, you if, you know what? I should start a GoFundMe. If we get, you know, 50 or $60,000, one to help me put a down payment on this house that I don't own, and then to put, you know, air conditioning into it, maybe then we can, we can make something happen. Um, but no, I'm what me like much of our like many of our listeners, Kevin, struggling with a, a little bit of heat this week. It's been hot. Um, I had to drive to Albuquerque, New Mexico. I know some of you who follow me on Instagram know that because um, I did a, a little talk while I was driving across the desert um, somewhere between Needles and Barstow, California. Uh, just a little hint there. Whenever I crossed the Colorado River coming back from Albuquerque, Kevin, it was 121 degrees. Holy crap. Uh, yeah, it was a little warm. And, you know, as, as people also know, I went to college at Arizona State. I'm used to the heat. Um, I've been in temperatures, I think, as high as 125 in Phoenix or in those areas around Phoenix. So it's really hot. I got out um, just before I hit the, the California border to get gas because, you know, it's like $1.50 cheaper. Um, so I wanted to get gas before I crossed the border, Kevin. And I got out. It was 118. I stepped outside and I was like, you know, I kind of remember this and I don't like it that much at all. So uh, I, I got gas, uh, got back in my car and drove the rest of the way. And Man. luckily, and, and luckily made it to Costa Mesa where it's, a, you know, where it was a nice and cool, you know, 85 degrees, basically. Those temperatures are higher than my SAT scores. <laughs> You're not wrong. I think uh, Death Valley had over 130 degrees, which is... Uh, yeah, which is supposedly the, the hottest temperature recorded on Earth uh, in more than a century. I was going to say, you know, it, it's the perfect time if you do have air conditioning or you can stay cool inside. It's a perfect time to just sort of, uh, you know, head inside and, and not go anywhere. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting. We talked about the LAFC game a little bit. I, I said that we were going to talk about it and give you some stuff, but they're playing at 3 p.m. on Saturday. I know the heat wave is supposed to break a little bit towards that end. Uh, I'm hoping it breaks a lot because otherwise it's going to be a hot game. You have guys who haven't played in, you know, 
almost a month and you're going to expect them to go out and run around in a rivalry game and try to like, you know, do soccer things and uh, it's going to be hot. Um, so, uh, yeah, great, great, great timing on that one, 3 p.m. But anyway, um, lots of stuff going on, Kev. It's a busy well, world right now. I, I'm looking at the, at the uh, uh, forecast yep. for Los Angeles on Saturday and it says 91 degrees. That's not going to be good, right? I mean, that's... Well, it, but, yeah, they haven't played in a month. That's true. But they, they did play in that sauna in, in, in Florida. Orlando. Yeah, I was going to say in in Florida, uh, yeah, where where the humidity was worse, um, it's an interesting sort of weather pattern we have with the uh, with that low pressure system that sort of came up from uh, the the in the Mexico region there and brought up a whole bunch of high level moisture. So um, I, I I've told you meteorology is sort of one of my other things I was doing, um, you know, that passes the time. So I watch all the uh, all the stuff that comes in from that as well. So interesting sort of a uh, week. It's hot. You know what this is, Kevin? You know it's hot. It's humid. It's in summertime. You don't want to do anything. You sort of don't want to go anywhere. This weather is, it's earthquake weather, Kevin. You know that, right? This is, oh my this, God. This is earthquake weather. It's 2020. Weather. You can't say that. It's, this is 2020. <laughs> I know everybody's always making that joke, but no, I It's gro- true. I mean, it, it started, you, you know, we knew it was going to be bad when uh, the Kobe thing happened. Right. I mean, we got Chicharito and two weeks later, Kobe, and it's been downhill ever since. Are you blaming Chicharito for everything? That's what it feels no, like. No, no. Oh. I think that, that was the lone high point. Oh, okay. Okay. Good. I just wanted to I check. Mean, we, we lost We lost the Olympics. We lost the uh, most of the MLS season. We right. lost uh, all almost all of the baseball season. Yeah, I know. The NFL season is sort of up in the air. I drove by Chargers training camp uh, yesterday as well. That's sort of right around the corner, not too far from me. Um, so I drove by there and I was like, wow, they're still, they're going to, they're going to do that. Huh? All right. That sounds interesting. Let's see how that works out. Um, lots of, lots of, uh, you know, sort of things going on. Dallas and Nashville have been playing games. So you got to see them not only that, but playing games with fans in attendance, um, which has been or last night fan. Basically. Fan, yeah. Well, I mean, that didn't start till 1107 it, because of uh, lightning delays, weather delays, the whole, whole yeah. thing. I mean, whenever you look at it though, I mean, I have a hard time being, I am, I am, Overall, I, I don't think having fans in the stadium is a great idea. I don't care if your local jurisdiction allows it or not. I don't think it's a great idea. Having said that, seeing how few fans are actually in the stadium, I have relatively little concern that you know that that's going to be a hot spot yeah. for for stuff. I just don't like the general idea. Yeah, and I agree with you on the general idea thing. And to to sort of pile on that, I mean, I think there was a feeling um, that there would be a rush back, that there was some pent up. Um, you know, fandom that needed to be released, that people wanted to get back in the stadium. Look at the Dallas experiment. This is a team, you know, they hadn't played since March because they didn't play in the MLS's back tournament. Right. So, you know, the supporters hadn't had a chance to see them since early March. Um, according to Governor Abbott, the governor of Texas, you can fill stadiums up to 50% capacity. So for the stadium in Frisco, Texas, Toyota Stadium, that should have been just over 10,000. Uh, the club said, no, we're going to sell 5,110 tickets. That's what they made available the morning of the game, they cut that to 3,000. So they couldn't even sell 5,000 tickets. They cut that to 3,000. The number of people that came through the gates were 2,912. So you have a 20,000-seat stadium. You can't get more than 3,000. You can't get even get 3,000 people to come and buy tickets to sit in that stadium. I think a lot of people decided, and, and yes, I know weather played a big part in that, I'm sure, and Dallas was very hot. But uh, the point being is there, there is not this rush to get back in the stadium. I think people are being a little smarter 
than some of the league executives give them credit for and said, look, we're going to stay home and watch this on TV. We really don't need to drink up that atmosphere. And to get into the stadium, not only did you have to promise to wear a mask and you had to keep it on the whole time, you had to sign a waiver that yep. said that you would promise not to sue uh, the clubs, Nashville and Dallas, MLS, or United Soccer, Soccer Marketing or anyone else affiliated with that game if you wound up getting COVID. So uh, you kind of sign your life away to sit in the Texas heat for two hours with a mask on uh, when you can watch the game on TV. Yeah, counterpoint to that is that every time you buy a ticket for any sporting event, you're basically signing your life away in terms of you're not going to sue if you get hit by a foul ball and you're not going to sue if, you know, something happens to you while you're in the state. I mean, there's lots of stuff that... So I I get it. It's an added disclaimer and it's sort of one of those things. Uh, I think that if you want to go to a game like that that you're already accepting that risk sort of on your own so you know the, the waiver isn't something and I know we talked about it before and yes it, it's onerous and it seems longer and there's all these things you know it's again it's just in addition to, to the normal stuff that you waive whenever you um, go into these places I think it's interesting though Kevin um, because the LA Galaxy will be playing some home games and we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit um, but I, I think it's interesting you know us as, as media members at least uh, covering the LA Galaxy there's a good chance that you and I will get a chance to go into and watch some of these LA Galaxy games. Um, you know, it's not going to be open probably to every press person. Uh, I imagine if I push it, I can probably get an invite. And you being the LA Times, I imagine that you can get an invite in there as well. So there's an opportunity to do that. And I was talking with uh, some of the Galaxy people today, and I was sort of like, yeah, but what am I going to get out of that? Besides that I get to watch it live, uh, the press conference itself is still going to be, you know, via Zoom afterwards. So there's no, in fact, there's a disadvantage to being at the stadium whenever that happens. Um, so like you, you sort of go through what are the advantages and the only real advantage that I can get to is there is credibility in Kevin just like when you went to Orlando there's credibility of being in the building when it happens Um, and to be able to add what that atmosphere is like you know you sort of talked about going back to the atmosphere and and, you know people weren't in any hurry to get that's because there is no atmosphere at any of these games Uh, even if you have you know, 3,000 people in a, in a stadium, uh, that's not really atmosphere. That's not really what we're used to. Um, and it's interesting because this is going to go into a, a plug as well. Um, we started, uh, Corner of the Galaxy started an LA Galaxy Discord. Basically, it's our Corner of the Galaxy Discord where you can talk about all sorts of LA Galaxy things. If you know what a Discord is, you're like, cool, that's fine. And if you're into that type of thing, uh, I'm going to put the link in the show notes. That way you can go ahead and join our Discord. I'll tell you in about 24 hours, we have a little under 150 members and it's been very active throughout the day. And I'm hoping that it can be an active place for people to share LA Galaxy stuff. And we have a bunch of different, you know, little rooms that you can sort of chat into. We have the injury news and the LA Galaxy news. We have the general and then we have the off the rails section, which is always fun as well. Um, So whenever you look at all those different things, uh, there's a way for you to do that. But it was people were talking to me in the discord today about, you know, missing the stadium and going back to the stadium. But at the same time, there was, as you said, as you rightfully pointed out, Kevin, there's no hurry. I think for most people to go back to the stadium, mostly because they know the atmosphere is not the same. You know, I can't go give everybody hugs or take pictures with people if I go back to the stadium or, you know, sort of hang out in our close little circles that we used to do. So it really is going to change sort of how things happen. So I'm in no rush to go back and do that. And I think that in in a lot of ways, I think there's Galaxy fans that certainly miss it, not going to say it, but they miss the atmosphere that was there, not the atmosphere that will be there. And I think everybody's sort of just ready to, to take baby steps on that. Yeah. Again, you know, why rush back? I, I, I talked to uh, uh, Oliver Weiss, who's the general manager of Orange County Soccer Club today. And one of the questions I had for him, he had his season, his career ended when he was 23 by a pretty rare blood disorder. 
Um, and so I asked him, why even do this? If you look at the Orange County Soccer Club, they play in the USL Championship. They've had, you know, starts and stops games postponed by coronavirus. They took four months off. They came back. They played a couple of games, had to take another three weeks off. Why even? And none of their players have tested positive. This is because of players on other teams. And I said, why Why even do this? Why You're going to have a 15-game, 16-game season. You're going to be in divisions instead of conferences. And he said, you know, at this stage of a player's career, there's a lot of players that this is their, their first big professional season. They get a chance to show themselves. For another other players, this is their last season. And he kind of boiled it down to, yeah, the fans are important. And he's not discounting that. I don't think anybody is. But um, it, it kind of made me think a little bit about a, another part of the equation, which is the players. I mean, they're the ones that are actually, in a lot of cases, uh, taking on the danger themselves and for them it's a finite you know a finite career it's not like they're a plumber or a banker they, they can do this for decades they only have a few years and to miss a whole season for them is like you know the rest of us missing a quarter or half of our of our you know productive work career so it's pretty important for the players yeah, I, I can understand that. That that makes you know you see a lot of that. And uh, again, if they come back and play, I think we've sort of decided that you can be happy that they're back and playing. You can be happy that they're, um, you know, I, that they're on your TV and all those things because they're out there risking things. You, they probably don't want you to be upset and you know angry that they're back and playing. So, um, you know, I always think to to sort of support that. But uh, an interesting time coming up for the LA Galaxy now, though, Kevin. We talked about it six games. Uh, we talked about it last Monday, and we haven't had a live show in the last two Thursdays. That's that changes this Thursday, of course. Uh, the Hammer will be back. We'll have a live show getting you ready for the LA Galaxy uh, as they head up to LAFC. Um, but there are other games and six games sort of in rapid succession that the LA Galaxy need to prepare for. We talked about Saturday LAFC. That game is a 3 p.m. kickoff time on Fox and Fox Deportes. Not FS1, Fox. Big Man Fox. Uh, or Big Boy Fox, or Big Kid Fox, however you want to say it, uh, Fox and Fox Deportes. So you can watch that game there, 3 p.m. kickoff time. That's when you're going to want to uh, uh, tune in there. But we uh, so far haven't had times on any of the other games. There's a Wednesday game coming up on C- uh, coming up against Seattle on August 26th, and a Saturday game uh, coming up on, on the San Jose Earthquakes uh, versus the San Jose, San Jose Earthquakes, both games at home for the LA Galaxy coming up. So the 26th and the 29th, both at home. And Kevin, you have times for for both of those games, don't you? Yeah, both those will be at 7.30, and the last game they have, the Galaxy has, uh, in the first phase, the last home game they have is LAFC. I believe that's a Saturday as well. Uh, no time on that yet. Um, they're still working with the networks, uh, is my understanding. That will be another network game, uh, and so they're still working on, on trying to fit a time in for that. It, 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 I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know, you know how the teams handle this, but I'm guessing it's a lot easier when they don't have to worry about fans because they don't have to worry about it, any sort of and, – and I don't think Cal State Dominguez Hills is open. That's always been a problem. They don't have to worry about scheduling around student activities. They don't have to worry about scheduling around traffic. Um, so I think they're taking their time and trying to make sure it fits into the TV schedule more than anything else. Yeah, it is. Uh, that's a Sunday, September 6th game is the last LAFC game at Dignity Hill Sports Park uh, with the LA Galaxy. Uh, the two other games, Wednesday, September 2nd in Portland, um, and then Sunday, September 13th uh, at Avaya Stadium. I guess the only time the LA Galaxy are ever going to cha- get a chance to play the San Jose Earthquakes at Avaya Stadium is during a global pandemic because otherwise that game would be at Stanford, right? So if they can't cash in on the LA Galaxy uh, cash cow there, uh, no Stanford Stadium, just going to be the normal Avaya Stadium. We don't have uh, TV for all of those yet, correct? So we're still waiting on that? You know, no, I don't think we do, but I was just thinking Avaya, 
with this new sort of uh, way that MLS is doing things, which is the charter flight, play the game, get back on the plane and go home. Um, you were even joking about the possibility they might even not even use the uh, dressing room. I, I think they'll use the dressing room. I don't think they're going to get on the plane all sweaty. I think they're going to get to take a shower. But, man, Avaya, talk about a, an easy in and easy out. You, I mean, you can see planes landing from the stadium. So, so it's it's why it's one of my. I, I know everybody will give me give me crap for this. It's one of my favorite stadiums. I can watch soccer. Uh, the stadium is actually a really cool stadium in terms of the steepness of everything, and so the the press box itself actually feels pretty close to the field. So it's a good view, um, relatively new. So that's easy easy to get to. But yes, uh, approximately, I'm gonna guess approximately 600 feet from the flight line um, whenever you're, you're right there at uh, San Jose Airport. Um, so you can fly in. And the only thing is, if the terminal was on the same side of the stadium, you could walk across the street, but it's on the other side. So you could take a cab and get there. Um, also, big news in the airline uh, in the airline world there, Kevin, is that Microsoft Flight Simulator is coming back after a long hiatus. Are you, are you as excited as I am? Oh, I can't wait. I was, I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm standing in line outside the store right now <laughs> yeah, as we broadcast. That, that just shows you how, how, how dated your idea of version of software is that you would stand outside a store. You can just you can just pre-order it and then it'll show up on your computer whenever it's ready. But like, I want to be first. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing. I just I thought it was funny. I first started playing Microsoft Flight Simulator like whenever like 95, probably 96. And they had all these different versions, I think, until about 2000 um, was the last one. And then for 20 years, it just disappeared and now it's coming back it just it's a crazy sort of phenomenon in my piloty you know sports world there's lots of crossover in that so um anyway i just i, I wanted you, to throw you know, that out yes you don't understand my long history with aviation i was actually there when orville and wilbur <laughs> took that plane up the first yep. time yep and after that uh and then after that you were there whenever um uh charles Lindbergh uh, flew across the ocean right i was not a big chuck fan but um <laughs> you know it Two wrongs don't make a right, but two rights make an airplane. That's that is that is also correct. Wow, off the rails so quickly today. Uh, perfect for our LA Galaxy Discord. Wow, I'm gonna plug this in everywhere I can. I'm gonna have a lot of fun with this. All right. Um, so anyway, so we have the LA Galaxy schedule coming up. We know the LA Galaxy take on LAFC at 3 p.m. on Saturday. Fox and Fox Deportes again. Um, but let's get to some LA Galaxy news. We told you the LA Galaxy did some dealing, and it looks like some dealing is on the horizon. As well, so we're going to get you sort of updated on these little pieces of, of news, a little, some little news nuggets before we get you to the rumors and tell you uh, who is going to be coming to the LA Galaxy. Uh, the first little news nugget is something that actually happened: the LA Galaxy acquired fifty thousand dollars in general allocation money for the rights to Ari Lasseter. Um, that went to Houston, so Houston basically paid the LA Galaxy fifty thousand dollars in general allocation money, so the gold puppy Ari Lasseter um, could could play for the Houston. Dynamo. You remember that uh, Ari Lasseter came up and was at LA Galaxy 2 and had played with LA Galaxy 2 and was considered a good prospect, got brought up to the senior team uh, a couple times as well, um, but never really panned out for uh, for Lasseter and, and where he went. So after he departed the LA Galaxy, uh, they I think his contract expired, the LA Galaxy didn't renew it. Uh, he went to Alualense in Costa Rica um, and apparently he's been he's been playing really well. Um, he's, he's there's a lot of development there, and you can understand uh, with him. And uh, the the one thing I really remember about Ari Laster, Kevin, is that his legs, his calves, his his hamstrings are the biggest I've ever seen on a player for like somebody who's that sort of stature. Uh, just uh, really huge legs in, in terms of things, and and could score goals at the at the USL level. It was just trying to translate that into to the MLS level. 
Well, I'm not sure I want to know why you were checking out Ari Lasseter's anatomy, but I will say that he was part of that 2017 4 by 100 meter relay team the Galaxy had. Remember Clement Diop, uh, Ima Boateng, um, Bradford Jameson, and uh, the goal puppy? If you had put those guys on a track with a relay baton, I guarantee you they would have smoked any other foursome in uh, MLS. Yeah. Those guys were so fast. And you see how it translated to uh, success on the field, that 2017 team, the worst <laughs> yeah. in franchise history. Yeah. But those guys were fast. How many teams have that? Uh, I, I saw Ima Boateng race Clement Diop once in a 40-yard dash, and Diop beat Boateng. Yes. How many teams have the goalkeeper as their fastest player? Where's Diop playing? Is he in Montreal? Is he still in yeah, Montreal? Actually, then then actually it's Montreal. Played pretty, <laughs> played pretty well in one of the games, in at least one of the games that he played in the uh, MLS's back tournament. Which yeah, yeah. Good. You know, I mean, he's not bad. I mean, here's the thing, and the, I know the people are going to sort of sit there and, and criticize. First of all, MLS mandates that whenever rights are traded, that at least some general allocation money switches hands. So um, the LA Galaxy could get as much as $100,000 if Lasseter meets certain performance-based metrics. So, you know, there's there's more money coming if Ari plays well, which would, of course, be bad for the LA Galaxy, but um, also good because they get some more general allocation money. In the whole scheme of things, the money is not really the interesting sort of takeaway here. It's looking at the young talent the LA Galaxy have had over the years. I mean, you know, Tristan Bowen. Um, you can certainly go back to Jose Villarreal, Jaime Villarreal, you know, Efrain Alvarez now, Bradford Jameson. Jack McBean. Jack McBean. Um, so you can go back and look at these guys and there have been so many Bradford Jameson, as you mentioned earlier. Julianas. So there's been so many guys who are quote unquote can't miss that are going to be the next big thing at the MLS level and we we haven't seen them develop at the MLS level and I think there should be there. There's there's going to be criticism for the LA Galaxy, and I'll say this about um, you know the situation the Galaxy are in. At least for me, Kevin, is that the Galaxy don't have the luxury of being patient on the offensive side of the ball. If you've seen the guys who I think who have made the biggest difference in recent time uh, that have come up from the academy or come up from LA Galaxy too, it's been on the defensive side of the ball, maybe in the midfield, um, but certainly not as, you know, sort of the strikers. I mean, imagine being a guy like Jack McBean coming up and you know that Robbie Keane is always going to be in your way to get any playing time. Well, there is one guy. Yes, he's an artist. You can... Yeah, I mean, so that's an interesting one, right? Because we know that he wasn't really an academy prospect, even though everybody calls him an academy prospect, um, because he was with the academy the exact number of days until he could basically be signed as a homegrown player. Um, that was sort of, so it was sort of you know one of those things. And Jossie came in and really played in that midfield role more than than at the at the striker role right off the bat. But you're right. I mean, he is sort of the biggest success story. And the bottom line was the LA Galaxy had a position for him and a spot for him and could play him there in a regular role and he earned, you know, that right as well um, to sort of be there. And I think that's, that's part of the equation for the LA galaxy, right? It's you, you have to have guys who are willing to earn that spot there, Kevin. But at the same time, the galaxy don't have the luxury of, of putting in a youngster and trying to develop them on the offensive side of the ball as a striker. I mean, the galaxy spend millions and millions and millions of dollars to get strikers, Robbie Keane, um, guys like Giovanni Dos Santos, whether you agree with that or not, um, you know, all these big name offensive players, that's where the LA Galaxy spend money. So seeing these guys come up and you can be as excited as you want from Kevin, there's, there's no playing time because you're not going to play a youngster. 
Um, and, you know, correctly or wrongly, I, I'm not really in the, in the mood to sort of argue that point right here. But for the LA Galaxy and the way that they operate, they don't have time to sit there and try to be patient with and develop somebody at the MLS level. Uh, either you're able to play at the MLS level and you make the jump and they don't have to worry about you or you don't and you're never going to get any playing time. And I think that's sort of the situation that you're going to see somebody like Efrain Alvarez in, which is so far what he's shown us at the MLS level has been, there's been some good parts, absolutely. Um, but for the most part, it's been inconsistent and mediocre. Uh, and that could all change. He's going to probably get some more time here as it comes up, but he's not going to get a ton of time. So he either has to do something with the time that he has or the LA Galaxy have to figure out another way to develop this young talent. Because if you look at somebody like Ari Lasseter, here's a kid who maybe you could have sent on loan. You could have re-signed and could have sent on loan to Alvalense, um and sent him to Costa Rica and let him play and let him develop. And, and from what we've seen so far playing in Costa Rica... He's figured out how to be a professional. I'm not saying he's going to be a world beater. That's not the idea here. But he could be somebody who who can probably contribute for for the LA Galaxy. But instead, what you did was you parted ways with him. He goes to Costa Rica. He plays. And now he goes to Houston. And the Houston Dynamo will benefit from all of the LA Galaxy's sort of upbringing at that USL level. And then they're going to benefit from Alualense in Costa Rica sort of, you know, really sort of finishing him off. And so in my mind... Um, instead of looking at all the failures the LA Galaxy have had, maybe it's about trying to do something differently. Um, I'm not saying that sending Jack McBean on loan to, what was it, Coventry? Um, yeah. in the in the third division of the English uh, of English football um, was a great idea, especially as that particular team fell apart as he was there, went through a different coach and all sorts of other things. You have to be smart about where you put people um, so that way they can continue to develop. But at the same time, you know, you have to do something differently because the LA Galaxy keep talking about developing these young talents, Kevin. We've seen them. We've heard them. We've heard the rumors. We've seen them play at the USL level, and then they disappear whenever it comes to MLS. Something has to change if they're going to start getting something out of these younger prospects. Well, you hit the nail right on the head when you said something has to change. Someone has to do something different. Someone needs to think outside the box because, yes, I know you can name... Uh, a number of American players who have succeeded offensively in MLS, you know, Chris Wondolowski, Landon Donovan, uh, Giassi's artist we talked about, Edson Buttle. But those numbers are very small compared to the international players that have come in and really carried scoring loads, you know, for teams throughout the history of MLS. And I talked to a general manager about the, a couple of them, actually, uh, and we discussed why certain players fit into certain boxes. And and what they said to me is, is traditionally American players – play well defensively and as goalkeepers. And I, I don't know that that's, that's true, yes, but I don't know if it's if it's it has to be true. I think it's true because that's the boxes they're put in. Um, the general managers I spoke to told me that when you're building a, a roster and you have a salary cap, you're not going to spend a lot of your money on defensive players. You're going to spend it on the offensive players. Those are the ones that make the difference. Um, and so the American players wind up being the holding midfielders, the defenders, and in some cases the goalkeepers. The big money goes to the strikers. And so you go out and you sign Joseph Martinez or Carlos Vela or Diego uh, Rossi or Zlatan or Chicharito, whatever, that's where the money gets spent. And when you're spending that money, uh, you know, you're not going to take Robbie Keane off and let Jack McBean get a couple of starts. It just, just doesn't work that way. So you're right. It, what has to, to happen is there has to be somebody that has the courage, uh, as Seattle did, to say Jordan Morris is our guy 
and we're going to play him and he's going to develop into a good player. Um, we're not going to we're going to sign, you know, uh, players to play behind him in the midfield, uh, but we're going to he's going to be our striker. Um, you need to have someone that, with the courage to do that. The Galaxy have, as you said, have had a lot of talent coming through there. Whether any of those players were a, a Jordan Morris, you know, type, where you would say we're going to give this guy a year or two to develop and see what happens, I, I don't know. You know, they might not be at that level. But um, as you continue to sign players with talent, and then you continue to waste that talent uh, by not being able to get them on the field, I'm not quite sure uh, how. How, how how worthy that is of of your investment, both in time and money. If you're not going to give them a chance, why even bother investing in them? Well, and I, I think we're starting to see that with Efrain Alvarez, too. I mean, granted, he hasn't been the world beater we all expected, but I don't know that he's getting enough time to show us. And, and is Cameron Dunbar now going to fall into the same uh, trap? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the, the, the part of that is that, again, for the LA Galaxy, if you don't perform, there's not much we can, you know, there's not much the coaching staff is going to do for you, Kevin. Um, you have to perform with the minutes you're given. You're not going to be coddled and brought along like, you know, somebody like like a Jordan Moore. Seattle's a different place than, than Los Angeles, right? I mean, it's great story to have, and they certainly did a good job marketing Giassi's artist uh, being, you know, a guy who was just, just down the street, really, from, from the stadium. Now you have Cameron Dunbar, the first uh, LA Galaxy homegrown player that's actually from Carson, the city that the Galaxy plan so i mean there's these these positive things but you know marketing wise i mean you know that's why they spend the big money is marketing and, and playing and so you want that big money you know sitting there and going towards these these big internationals i mean you know people keep arguing that you, the u.s men's national team isn't developing talent enough in major league soccer and it's well they're not getting playing time and especially if you look at the la galaxy look at all the international slots that get taken just for the starting lineup um and it's it's one of those things where i sit there and say it's not mls's job to develop talent for the U.S. men's national team. Um, that's not the job of, of the league. The league is to make money and to be successful. And for the LA Galaxy, their job is to be the best team that they can be and to win championships. And it doesn't matter who's on the field for that. So you can't sit there and say, you know, um, I think Mexico at one point had a, had a rule where you had to start with a certain number of, you know, uh, of domestic players on the roster. Um, and they had to play a certain number of minutes per game, that type of thing, in order to actually push and force in the league. Now, unless I'm MLS does something like that. I don't see guys like Efrain Alvarez or Cameron Dunbar unless they perform when they're given the chance. And these are small chances, very small windows. You have to force the coach not to be able to put you back on the bench. Um, we talk about Nick DePew having doing some of that. We, you know, we talk about um, uh, guys who, whenever you're given the chances to perform and to perform well and make it so the coach can't sit there and say, well, I can't take that person off the field. That's what has to happen. But that is such a rare feat in itself. Just look at what's happening, though, on the defensive side of the ball with with Julian Araujo, who, in my opinion, probably should be the starter for the LA Galaxy at right back right now, or at least is that borderline sort of player, is that on defense, in a place where domestic talent has reigned sort of supreme in Major League Soccer and with the iffy defenses that are allowable in Major League Soccer when you spend all your money on, you know, the offense and the midfield and everything there. Um, you have seen domestic players, you know, Dave Romney, Dan Starris, uh, let's talk about Walker Zimmerman. Um, you know, there's all these players that you, you look at that you can develop 
locally. Omar Gonzalez, AJ De La Garza, domestic talent that you're able to keep, which is why I technically am opposed to the LA Galaxy trying to go out and getting another international defender. I know that people say the back line needs help, but you're spending a lot of money on Sua, I'm imagining. You're spending a lot of money on people Gonzalez, I'm imagining. We haven't seen the actual salaries released for this year. Um, and I don't well, know. He, the, got a, he got a crap load last year. Yeah. So yeah. I'm assuming he didn't take a pay cut. Yeah, I, exactly. And and so you're, so you're right on that. So you're spending two, you, two international slots and a whole heap of money already on the defense. My argument is you have the domestic talent, use the domestic talent at defense in the offense, in those offensive players. Some, again, I, for, I, I implore the LA Galaxy to find a way to develop talent outside of the senior team because they're not going to do it um, outside of the senior team. So that way, then you can keep the rights to these players. They can come back and play for your senior team. I mean, right now, if you had Ari Laster, who had bit, stayed away for the last two years at Alense and was there playing in Costa Rica and was being the professional, was getting the playing time, was fighting for things, wouldn't you like to recall him and have him back on this team right now? I imagine everybody would. So, you know, you're you lost somebody because you you're not developing the talent the way you had and talking to and I've talked to so many uh, young players for the LA Galaxy. I've talked to their parents, um, you know, sort of saying we want out of here. We're never going to get any playing time on the seniors on, on that senior side. It's something the LA Galaxy have to address. They have to get creative about it and they have to do something soon because they're losing too many top talent guys that quote unquote couldn't cut it in major league soccer that just needed some more playing time and some development. Well, let me throw something else out there and this is kind of wild coming out of left field, I guess. But when you look at that, I mean, I think what you take away from that is, is something is not right. Uh, whether it's the way the first team works with the Academy guys, whether the galaxy two is sort of off on their own, whatever there is, it, things are not working the way they, they should be working. And let me just add to that. Galaxy 2 had, uh, originally it was 11 players uh, test positive for COVID-19. It turned out to be eight. Eight is a ton of players test positive for COVID-19. Uh, for COVID Completely messed up their schedule. A bunch of games canceled. Uh, affected other teams like Sacramento and Orange County. The reason I bring that up is because, in my mind, yes, there's a lot of different ways you can get COVID-19. But when you look at the clubs and the organizations that have been clean and, and the ones that haven't, like Dallas and Nashville – I think a lot of that is the discipline and, and, and the, uh, you know, having all the corners tied down, having everything taken care of, um, thinking ahead, all those things that make a good organization, whether it's in sports or business or anywhere else, that discipline and that stick to it in this and that the camaraderie and teamwork and not letting your uh, teammates down, that doesn't seem to be present with the galaxy. And I, I think there may be bigger problems here than just the first team, uh, you know, underperforming. Then you look down and the Academy kids aren't getting the playing time that, uh, you know, they were promised. And then you have all of the COVID uh, positive COVID tests. Yes. These could all be, uh, you know, independent things and they're not tied together at all. But with all these things happening at the same time, it, it just does seem like the, the whole organization is a little bit more dysfunctional than, uh, than we're used to seeing. I mean, this is the these are the New York Yankees of MLS, and we're not used to seeing them uh, sort of uh, coming apart at the seams like this. Yeah, I'll, uh, my one counter to that is that uh, LA Galaxy Two was playing the most exciting soccer out of between the two uh, senior team and and the USL team. Uh, it was LA Galaxy Two before they had to shut down um, because of COVID nineteen. So uh, all all interesting stuff going on. Uh, let's go a little bit further with uh, with some LA Galaxy news, more MLS wide news. Uh, the US Open Cup has been canceled. So the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup uh, had been played 106 
continuous years uh, that included the 1917 pandemic. Um, and it, they played right through that as well. And so World this War year, one, World War Two, yeah, World War One, World War Two. I mean, you know, all the way, any major conflict, any major event, um, they've been playing for 106 continuous years, and that is being canceled, and it should be. Um, there's probably no reason to play that tournament right now. Um, and I'm sure had everybody been smarter in 1917, 1918, they wouldn't have played it then either. But uh, regardless of that fact, um, I would thought we would have been much smarter <laughs> after that as well. But, you know, it's all across the board. We're probably not that much smarter than 1917 or 1918. Also, the first rounds of qualifying for the, the 2021 tournament, um, you know, right now that that's been canceled. So when you see some of these fourth and fifth division teams, you know, trying to, to, to get into the later rounds of the U S open cup to play against MLS teams. It looks like they won't have the chance to do that next year because the early rounds of qualifying will not be played. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting, interesting time that the, the other interesting tidbit about them being canceled is that uh, the winner of that tournament every year got the CONCACAF champions league spot. Um, that, spot right now and the qualification for that spot is up in the air so um, you know MLS could do something like uh, inviting the next best record team after the shortened regular season um, they already do that on one side the opposite side usually of the uh, supporter shield winner and then the other side could also get one as well it, you know they can do it sort of an award they, it in any way that they can they, that they can want do it like, to. A, like a corn cornhole tournament the yes. winner of the cornhole tournament gets in yes Yes, that's a great. Actually, that's a great. I, I love me some cornhole, by the way. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things I've been missing, and and cornhole. it's on TV now. Of course, it's on it TV. Is. There's cornhole tournaments on TV. Having, I, I'm not going to say majored, but you know, having a, a significant impact on my college development. Uh, playing playing cornhole before uh, before football games uh, for most of the morning before the night football games uh, was something that I will always always cherish. So, um, you know, I, I can understand that. Um, let's get to some rumors now because uh, there's some good stuff. We've we've talked about all the other rumors. Our highest rated rumor before this weekend really was Jordi DeWeese, um, the whole city defender. It still seems like that one's in a holding pattern. So we haven't heard much on it. That was a three star rumor. We had Garam Barashkoloto at one time uh, headed to uh, headed to the Ecuadorian national team that has since sort of been shot down. Uh, that was a two star rumor. Uh, and then basically uh, Augustin Almendra from Boca Juniors was a one star. Javier Pastor was a one star. Cristiano Ronaldo one star. I had to put that one in there. Uh, Gonzalo Iguain. That's a one star for right now. That one. That name continues to be kicked around. There's a lot of sort of hurdles the LA Galaxy have to clear in order to even consider getting Gonzalo Iguain um, to the LA Galaxy. But some of that isn't as difficult as people make it. Uh, and I've seen reporters putting stuff out there that, quite honestly, I'm like, wow, doesn't pay any attention to Major League Soccer at all. Doesn't understand how past deals have been doing. Uh, so you can see that sort of going out there. So uh, Iguain's one star because we haven't figured out the path that could possibly bring him to the LA Galaxy. But when that happens, and by the way, that could be a deal where Juventus, who he still has a year left on his contract with Juventus, that could be a deal where Juventus, Kevin, pays him you know a whole bunch of money to sort of go away, but not full of it. And then he could come to the LA Galaxy for like a TAM deal. And then, you know, uh, uh, Christian Pavone leaves in December and all of a sudden he's a DP. Uh, Gonzalo, well, I mean, yeah. You know, that's kind of how Ashley Cole and, and DeYoung came and. You just got the fifty thousand from a Gold Puppy. I mean, you That's know, a big spender. Flash that in front of Iguain and see what he says. Ooh, he can't wait. That's what he's saying. Can't wait to come to LA. Uh, where where are the Galaxy with international spots now? Because uh, you know, every player we talk about is an international player. They all can't come. 
Um, there's a limited number of international spots. How many of the Galaxy have open now? Yeah, that's a good question. We should probably talk about this next rumor while I look that up because I actually do keep track of all that stuff. So um, let's talk about the five-star rumor that is currently there and that, it. We, listen, everything. it's not 100% done, but we're close enough and Kevin it's can talk about close. it. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, it's uh, Yanni Gonzalez is a 26-year-old right winger uh, from Colombia. Um, and this is a guy who was signed on a free transfer to Benfica um, in Portugal, but has been playing at uh, Fluminense and Corinthians. I think it was Fluminense and then went to Benfica on a free transfer and then was loaned out to Corinthians. Hasn't gotten to play for Benfica or Corinthians due to the, the pandemic. Um, but this is a kid at 26 years old that you're getting sort of in his prime. Um, he seems like a majority right-footed player likes to cut in. Uh, this is what I saw from the highlight reel. And you know what we always say about highlight reels is, you know, even I can look good on a highlight reel, Kevin. So, you know, you take this with a grain of salt. But um, he has good speed. He has good technical ability. I like his dribbling skills. He's not afraid to take people 1v1 in the offensive zone, which I like. Um, And he takes a lot of risks in the offensive zone, which I don't have a huge issue with. Except every once in a while, you want him just to make the easy pass, and he'll probably try to you know put it through somebody's legs and do that. Uh, the big deal is that what we've seen, at least on the highlights, is when he does lose the ball, that he's able to get back, and his work rate and his discipline seem to fit sort of with what GBS is asking for, which is a player who can go forward, who can come back, and who can do both things, both sides of the ball, offensive and defensive. So, um, having said all that, this looks like, and by the way, I was worried, Colombian, you sit there and say, oh, well, you know, is this going to be, you know, a small guy? You know, how is he going to play? He plays with a, he plays with a big body uh, in terms of he's not afraid to use his body weight. He's not afraid of contact. That was all makes sense for Major League Soccer um, where somebody like, let's say, Efrain Alvarez, who plays smaller even than his body because he doesn't like the contact, um, all sorts of things like that. Um, you sort of like to see what Yanni Gonzalez um, can do so with with that physicalness, um, with that physicality. And he seems like a, very, like a really smart player as well, just in terms of when he chooses to attack and how he attacks. So, I mean, on paper and what you're seeing, you know, from the highlight reels and sort of from people that have been talking about this. And some people have said that, you know, at Fluminense, he was one of the player, he was one of the best players on Fluminense, um, which is a big Brazilian club. Um, so having said that, this seems like a guy who the LA Galaxy can do. Now, Kevin, you you have uh, updated. I know you tweeted out, I think, on Friday um, where the LA Galaxy were with that. Why don't you update everybody on 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 that? Yeah, well, my first thought was, you know, with the last South American player out of South America coming to the Galaxy, please turn off the lights, because it seems like anybody with a pulse winds up on the Galaxy radar at some point. Um, this is would be a guy coming in, as you said, he's going to play on the right wing. He's going to be uh, Ramon Alessandrini, or he's going to be Alexander Katai. His job is going to be to get down the right wing and, and provide service for Chicharito. Um, I've heard, you, you gave a pretty glowing uh, report. I've heard uh, sort of the opposite, that... One of the, you know, and, and granted, uh, it's hard to say with uh, COVID having messed up everybody's season to know where uh, any of this, if any of this is true. But someone I talked to pointed out, they said the fact that he keeps moving around all the time and doesn't find a place anywhere and doesn't really play for a long period of time with any one team suggests to that person that he may not be. Uh, you know that he may be a little bit oversold, that he may not be the player people think that he is. Playing at the right wing uh, on the right wing for the Galaxy right now—that's a pretty low bar. Uh, you know, to get over. So I don't think he has to come in and be a world beater. Uh, they definitely need somebody on that 
on that right wing, a right-footed player that can get the ball into the middle to sort of complement Pavone because I think teams have been able to just overload the left side against the Galaxy because they're not really worried about what's coming from the other side. So, you know, anybody out there that can cause a little bit of havoc, uh, I think that would be great for the Galaxy. And the fact that he does appear to be a two-way player also is something that the Galaxy really need if they're really going to master the style that UBS wants them to play. Now, as far as whether or not this happens, I think the the whole thing with Lasseter and and the money that they're getting, I, I don't think that figures into this at all. I think that was just a it just it was just happenstance that it happened to happen you know that it happened at the same time. The Galaxy were far down the road on this before the Lasseter signing happened, uh, so I don't think I think that helps. I don't think it impacts this one way or the other. What I was told by two people with the organization who are generally very cautious and generally do not say anything until the papers are signed. Uh, the first report was very close. You know, things are moving in the right direction. The other one was 99% done. We feel really good about this. We're going to get this one across the finish line. So, and again, these are people who are very, very, very cautious and who don't generally uh, talk about signings until uh, the paper is dry. So I, I think this one is going to happen when it happens and how soon the player gets here and how soon he gets fit. I mean, we got six games coming up in a very short period of time. If it takes him a week to 10 days to even two weeks, he could miss almost all of those games. So time is, is of the essence. And uh, we don't know where he is with transfer documents, and we don't know where the Galaxy are with international slots too. And that could that could really slow things down as well. Yeah, and time is really important right now. Yeah, Galaxy at seven right now, um, international slots. So they have, I know for sure they have eight, and they may have a couple more spots. Uh, you know, this is basically an Alexander Katai replacement, so you could see that. Um, so I don't think international slots are going to screw anything up. I will tell you the pandemic's not going to help at all. Um, whether or not he has to go into a 14-day quarantine, um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that could impact this. And so, you know, we're talking about six games coming up in rapid succession. There's a possibility he misses all six of these games, uh, especially being we don't know, you know, you have to wait for P1 visa. You have to wait for all the transfer paperwork. As you said, you have to probably wait for quarantine or coronavirus testing. Where uh, is he right now? Where, uh, where is he physically? Is he in Brazil not, still? Do not. I would imagine that he's in Brazil. Because um, if he's come, I mean, I, you have to think about that. I hadn't even thought of the COVID nineteen side of this, but if he's coming from a country like Brazil that is overrun yes. with COVID, I think that that is going to really. You're right. I mean, it could but, be a long quarantine. But look at the, <laughs> not to play, you know, the devil's look advocate on this to, one. Yeah, look where maybe, he's maybe coming he wants to. The rest of the team, maybe he wants the rest of the galaxy to quarantine because he's coming from a clean area. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think he's going to sail in like he might have uh, otherwise. Correct. Yeah, I. I think that there's going to be some delay in that and um the la galaxy i will say that they like to make you know announcements on tuesdays tuesdays are a better day than mondays for them so if it ends up being tuesday it's tuesday i you know with how close everybody was sort of talking about and kevin you had your sources i also got to talk to a couple sources as well um so we're all in alignment in terms of what we think is going on and how it's going um you know i would imagine that something gets announced here in the next couple next few days uh being that everything seemed like it was you know, as close as it should be and everything was going to get across the line and everything looked good. Uh, having said, you know, nobody signed yet. And if you haven't signed, then it's not done. Um, so it's one of those things to sort of take a look at and, and understand this could be a slower, um, you know, reveal for, for Yanni Gonzalez than the LA Galaxy certainly want. And if you look at this through Guillermo Barish Glodo lenses here, Kevin, um, there's going to be some significant pressure on GBS going into these six games to do something. Being the LA Galaxy, have not won a game um, yet, and you know they're they're five games in with two points. 
Um, and they're one of three teams who haven't won Houston Dynamo, uh, and then inter Miami as well. So, uh, you know, Nashville got a win. So they're, they're, they're out of here finally on, on, on their slide. So even the expansion team, Nashville has, has gotten a win. There's going to be a significant amount of pressure on Guillermo Bershkoloto to win some of these six games. And I think as you and I were talking about before, go ahead, point at which of these games is the one where the LA galaxy win it because, um, I think their best chance of winning is probably against San Jose. And we talked about this is about San Jose on August 29th, um, because that that's a good chance at that being you're at home. All those things sort of look at it. Having said that, San Jose has embarrassed the LA Galaxy the last few times that they've played. So I don't feel confident about that. So there is a scenario in my mind, and I'm sure in everybody, every fan's mind right now, where the LA Galaxy lose all six of these games. Um, will they do that? There's probably a chance they get a draw or two out of that. Maybe they get a couple points, but let's say you get a couple points. So you're sitting on 11 games played and you have four points, Kevin. Um, you know, there's there's going to be pressure on Guillermo Barrescoloto. There's question marks right now about whether Chicharito will be back. And the rumor is right now that Chicharito is training off to the side. Um, that doesn't do the LA Galaxy any good because if you're training off to the side, hey, it Jonah, means... You, you're- Yep. Yep. No, no, you're right. Jonathan Dos Santos as well. So Jonathan Dos Santos has returned to training. The LA Galaxy. Yeah, you got Jonah too. Yeah. The, the LA Galaxy have posted pictures of Jonathan Dos Santos training, but there's been no confirmation that he is training with the rest of the team either. He could also be training off to the side. Um, I imagine that they posted pictures. He probably is full team training. So if you're looking at those two guys right now, even for the game on Saturday, I think Jonathan Dos Santos has a much better chance of playing. There is a press conference scheduled for Thursday. Um, so we'll be able to ask Gamer Bershkoloto. I'm sure that injury updates will be coming on all of those guys on Thursday whenever we talk to uh, the coach and some of the players about their game coming up against LAFC. Um, so all those things coming but there's a very good chance in my mind that chicharito doesn't play in this game and that jonathan dos santos would be limited in this lafc game depending on how those injuries go kevin you know rapid succession another game on wednesday another game the saturday following i mean these are really space tight close together games that the la galaxy are going to have to play they don't have you know supposedly right now if they sign yanni gonzalez they don't have him in yet they might not have chicharito for you know half of these games maybe maybe four of these games maybe three of these maybe two but we don't know what his status is so they're not going to have him Jonathan Dos Santos might not be 100% and might not be able to go back to back to back to back games and all this there's going to be some serious pressure on Gamer Bershkoloto and I can see after these six games the LA Galaxy being 0 and 11 um, and you know having having really um, you know two points from 11 games and that probably means somebody's getting fired well and and, and look you know you just mentioned with the injury reports that means that if if Jonah can't play or can't play full game and Chicharito's unavailable, that means the team that you just lost to six to two, you're going to face them with the same lineup. Yep. Only they're going to have Carlos Vela back. Yep. Presumably, I mean, I haven't heard that he's going to opt out. There is no opt out on the table as of yet. So presumably, they get Vela back and you and you go out them with the same lineup that you just lost six to two. And then you, and you know, that could be a disaster. And then you have to turn around three days later and play the defending MLS cup champions. Um, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, this, the possibility of this thing to just snowball out of control is, seems to me to be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, right now in the Western conference, it is sporting Kansas city who leads the Western conference, 12 points. 
um, through five games. Uh, in the Eastern Conference, it's the Columbus Crew, who are the Supporter Shield leaders as well, 13 points from five games. Um, and so as the LA Galaxy sit right now, they are last in the Western Conference, 12th position, um, and they are second to last in the league. It's Inter-Miami, and then the LA Galaxy, then the Houston Dynamo. Um, so that's where they sit right now, entering these next six games, Kevin. And, and those aren't those aren't good places. There is, there is heat on... On every level of the LA Galaxy right now, I think that Guillermo Barrascoloto probably bears the brunt of that hot seat. I think Dennis DeClosa feels some of that heat. And I think that Chris Klein, even though he is basically, it seems like he's divorced himself from most of these player personnel decisions, um, he's probably on uh, on the hot seat as well. Maybe even Dan Beckerman is on the hot seat as well, both because of the LA Kings and the LA Galaxy. Well, And you look at Klein and Beckerman, and they are the only two that were here in 2017 for that disaster and are you know, are here for this one. You can give uh, sort of excuse De- Dennis and GBS a little bit because they weren't here for that. They were can't. They came in to fix that, and maybe it was an unrepairable problem that they inherited. But you know, Klein and Beckerman were here. Uh, Jovan Karaski, They were here in 2017. They were part of the architects of that team as well. So um, you know, they still haven't really gotten it right. It, we had the one season they went to the playoffs last season, 2019. You know, Zlatan had had a big part in that. Um, without Zlatan, you sort of see them returning to the mean. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's not a great place to be an LA Galaxy fan or in any of those hot seat positions. So let's go at some questions. Um, and of course, being that I've mentioned the Discord uh, many, many times, um, let's let's take some questions from Discord. Uh, let's do that. So Rafa wrote in and says, how much faith do we still have that Dennis DeClosa will steer the Galaxy in the right direction? Is he as much to blame as Gamer Barish-Galoto for the tournament or the rest of the season if it goes bad? Uh, Kevin, what do you think? I mean, how do you feel about Dennis DeClosa and what he's been able to do so far? So far, well, and and the time that I've talked to him, I really like him. I think he has an idea. He has, he knows what he wants to do. Um, he has a philosophy. All those things are good. You know, the last thing you want is someone that comes in and says, "I'm really not sure how this is going to work. I don't know how to put this together." Dennis has an idea. Now, whether it's the right idea or not, that remains to be seen. And then the bigger part of that is in talking to Ziggy Schmidt and others who have been sort of in his position. Remember, Ziggy was coach and general manager. Um, they they went to the front office, Chris Klein, et cetera, with ideas, and they were not allowed to enact them. So they kind of had to take the fall uh, for the front office because they knew what they wanted to do, and the front office did not give them the resources to do it. I don't know if that's happening this time. I do like Dennis. Again, I think he has an idea. He has a plan, and that's very important. But then when you look at his history, where was he most successful? It wasn't so much with Chivas or Chivas USA or any of the clubs in the Mexican League, although, uh, you know, those weren't disasters. His most, his biggest success was with the Mexican national team, especially the junior programs. Um, and that is a totally different animal because with a club, you have the world uh, where you can go recruit and try to sign players. And it's all about money and other things. With a national team, you're limited to the, you know, the players with nationality of the national team you're working with. There's no money involved. You don't recruit people. You don't sign people. So it's a totally different beast. Um, he's trying to, uh, uh, you know, it, he's trying to have the same success working under a totally different blueprint. And uh, maybe Dennis is one of those guys that is more cut out for the national team program. I, I don't know. I, I do know that he has an idea. He has a, a, a things that he wants to do. Um, hasn't been able to get them all of them done. And and 
I'd be interested to know too the player ideas. Are these the players that we're bringing in? You know, the the people, the people Gonzalez and and uh, Insua and those people are those people that GBS wants or people that uh, Dennis wants? Is there a compromise between the two? Whose blueprint are they really following at this point? Uh, that's a question that needs to be answered if this thing keeps going south. Yeah, I think I've sort of been begging for for Dennis to put more of a stamp on things, and with every Boca player seemingly uh, interested in coming to the LA Galaxy, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's hard to say that. It, that that has to be Dennis, you know. Oh, that has to be Dennis there because you know, or, you know, because it's not. You look at Guillermo, and it's like, no, that has to be Guillermo coming from Boca. And you know, are these Argentine players um, that has? To, listen, South America certainly. Um, I think the LA Galaxy should be looking there, should be recruiting there, and I think that they're doing you know a decent enough job. Um, I also think that you know somebody like Jordi Deweese, who's a Dutch player who's playing you know for Hull in the let's uh, see, it was the championship, and now it's going to be League One for for Hull City. Um, you know that to me says okay Dennis Dennis has the Dutch influence and so he can bring somebody in but you know in my mind, I have a lot of faith in Dennis DeClosa. I think if you give him some time, he's going to figure this stuff out. Um, I also think that Dennis gets to go through at least one coach before you get fired, right? I mean, you, you, hey, maybe you didn't get it right with Guillermo Barrescalotto, um, but you know, if, if you're going to blame anybody, maybe it's Scalotto. And I'll be honest with you, uh, yes, I think there's a there's a talent gap in the, between a lot of the upper level teams in Major League Soccer and the LA Galaxy right now, and that has to be solved and that has to be fixed. But watching Guillermo Barrescalotto scratch his head and you know look gobsmacked as as the LA Galaxy you know got run over against LAFC is is something that's going to haunt haunt Guillermo and not Dennis. And for my mind, uh, you know, everybody wants to fire everybody, and I understand that. I think the best case scenario is that GBS figures out how to play, and you give them some time to play this year with I don't know three designated players. That sounds like a great idea because so far he's been playing with what it feels like, you know, one hand be tied behind his back. So you have to give him some time to do that. And I think in a pandemic shortened season where the results are already you know asterisked uh, all over the place, I think that you have to sit there and say, okay, you have to be a little more patient than even maybe you normally would be. But that being said, I think that patience can run out. I think Dennis uh, feels like he has the right direction in terms of what he wants to do. I'm sort of with you on that, Kevin. I really like him in terms of how smart he is, his ability to wrap his head around a whole bunch of things. So um, yes, DTK and Guillermo Barrescalota will be linked together if there are failures. Um, I think there's going to be more leniency from the LA Galaxy towards Dennis DeClosa than there is going to be Guillermo Barrescalota right now. And I think this points out too, that as we're sitting here saying, are these Guillermo signings, are they Dennis's, whose philosophy are they following? I think this is a good argument for why Bruce Arena has been so successful with the Galaxy and now with New England as coach and general manager why Greg Berhalter uh, was successful in Columbus. You know, when you're the guy building the team and you're also the coach that's going to coach them, you know, you get to make all the decisions. There's there's no compromise involved. You get the guys you want and they play the style you want. And then if it doesn't work, then we know who to blame. When you sort of have a general manager and a coach uh, who come from different areas of the world and maybe didn't really know each other all that well before they wound up together with the Galaxy, that's a little more difficult. Um, uh, you know, it, 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 it does one of them become a you know type A dominant personality and push the other one around? You know, how exactly d- does that chemistry work uh and so we're sitting here right now saying well who's really to to blame for this and then we're going to say who gets the credit if this gets turned around it's hard to know right now 
Yeah. Um, Football Galaxy in our Discord says, you know, will GBS get sacked if we do bad for the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to survive if the LA Galaxy uh, have as horrible of a season as they have started out with. Uh, certainly, you can look at the shorthandedness and all those other things um, that come into play. You can look at the global pandemic that comes into play. You can look at losing, you know, Zlatan and then not being able so far to keep Chichirito healthy and on the field. Those are all things that will play into, I think, Guillermo's favor. But at the end end of the day somebody's going to have to fall on a sword here and it's probably going to be gps before it's anybody else and uh if it's me uh i look higher than dennis to also show some 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 issues with this club and so you're looking at the chris Kleins, um you're looking at the dan beckermans as well because the leadership there has has i think failed over multiple years throughout this and as you said also linked with the 2017 season as well so uh you know the escape the higher up the ladder you go i think the more leniency you tend to get or at least the more leniency that is usually given um and so i think that that could also be coming to an end as well but i don't think if you're a Galaxy fan, you should be rooting for the losing because you hope that'll get GBS fired and that will change things. Um, to me, the best case scenario is GBS figures this out, figures out how to play, that Dennis and GBS backload this roster and start building something that is competitive in 2021. Um, and in order to do that, that's the best case scenario. I know maybe that's a bit of a pipe dream, but a rebuild after rebuild after rebuild is not good for the LA Galaxy. It's not good for you know the LA Galaxy fans, uh, and it continues to erode the brand at a time when there is a very noisy neighbor that will happily pick up anything that you drop right now. So uh, a lot of big decisions coming for the LA Galaxy here. And these next six games, even though they're packed together and even though, uh, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a haphazard sort of thrown together team, it feels like um, those results are going to matter uh, for these decisions that come down the road. So it's going to be sort of uh, interesting to, to see that. Uh, I'm going to move on to the next question. Um, uh, Josh Nathan in our Discord says, what do you think should be our highest priority or priorities in the transfer market and what changes would you like to make in the front office? I think we talked about the changes in the front office um, in terms of that, but let's talk about the priorities in the transfer market. Kevin, if you could go out and you could get one player right now, would it be defense, midfield, offense? Where, where are you trying to find that? I would go offensively, but I think there's a bigger philosophical issue. Uh, we've seen the Galaxy in recent years get tied into bad uh, uh, designated player uh, selections that that hampered them going forward. You know, you had uh, Ola Kamara, who wasn't a, a DP, but he had the big contract. And then once a lot of time came in, they had to sort of get rid of him. He had to go to China because he didn't fit into the style. You know, Gio famously didn't work. Steven Gerrard uh, didn't work. He, he stayed to the end of his contract, though. It, right now, things are in, in so much flux. And I think Chicharito, I'm a big Chicharito fan, but remember, he's on the books for three years as well. Jonathan's got another couple of years. We don't know about Pavone. Um, the idea of getting tied into these guys long term where you can't move them and that takes away all the flexibility um, that's what I would try to avoid. I mean, I would look for a short-term solution, certainly, and then maybe the ability to sign that guy to, to stay beyond a year or two. But right now, with things in flux, not really not knowing for certain going forward who the coach is going to be for a long-term period, I, what I would do is I would try to add an offensive player, but I would try to add it on a short-term contract to give me the flexibility going forward. Yeah, I'm with you on the offensive side. I'm done spending money on the defensive side for the LA Galaxy in, in 2020. Uh, if you want to spend money on the defensive side in 2021, 
2021. Maybe Shelvick's contract finally goes away. Um, you know, he's basically off the books as it is now. But at the same time, he's technically still on the team as well as he's on loan. Um, so you you look at that and you say, okay, you know, you could figure that out. You have to figure out, you know, people Gonzalez and when his contract is out and when you can recoup that money because that allows you to make a significant investment in the defense. Um, for me, it's about spine, right? So either get a you one, you need a backup for Chicharito, and two, you might need a forward to play with Chicharito. I mean, that's and by the way, uh, Football Galaxy made this question: you, Do you think Chicharito can play with wingers, assuming the transfer with uh, you know Gonzalez is official, or do you think he plays better with a second striker? I think the answer is both. Um, and you need to have both one because Chicharito so far has been what I will call injury prone and, you know, having only played, I think three games uh, of the five. So, so far, and maybe that's one too many, if I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Um, but you look at that and you say, okay, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't been healthy. So, um, you know, you need somebody who's able to be that, but you also need somebody you might be able to pair with him and maybe go to more of a four, four, two or a three, five, two, something like that. Um, that gives him a little bit more flexibility. Uh, that's why, you know, looking at Gonzalo Higuain is a good place to look at. And I like that it's a backup and a partner. Um, you have a whole bunch of different situations. And if Chicharito ends up being injured for the whole time, you know, you have somebody like Higuain who's able to sort of start up. That's of a pipe dream i realized that oh hey josh you you know you want chicharito and equally on the team isn't that nice you know it's 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 something that's easy to say i understand the difficulties in making that happen um but i think you need to do that i also think you know looking at a, a an attacking midfielder uh for me sebastian legit has not been playing well in the center uh, i don't know if he's going to play well on the wing again but you know that's something you can certainly figure out with pavone possibly being limited you know could sebastian legit go out and play on that left-sided midfield whenever pavone goes away the la galaxy have a dp spot up and you find somebody in that central attacking midfield. But again, the spine, the spine, the spine. My last two places I would spend money on right now, if you're talking about the spine, would be another center back because I think the Galaxy have wasted too much money on center backs as it is. Play domestic players, call it good. Defense will be good enough for Major League Soccer or goalkeeper. And I know a lot of people have talked about David Bingham and getting a new goalkeeper. He's probably the last place I would sink any money right now. He's serviceable as an MLS keeper. I think he feels like he's in the top half of Major League Soccer goalkeepers. Uh, I think the defense doesn't do him any good, but he obviously doesn't shine real bright whenever he doesn't move on a ball, uh, you know, that goes into the to the net in the in the tournament as well. So from from a set piece and a free kick. So well, all you know, the, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say Chicharito's played really well in the 4-4-3 that, that uh, Osorio used with the Mexican national team uh, and, you know, as a center striker there. But when you're playing with, with Chucky Lozano and you're playing with people like Raul Jimenez and some of the players that they had on the Mexican national team, that's a whole different situation than what the Galaxy have. I mean, Chicharito was one of three and now he's sort of one of one. I mean, right. uh, you know, he, he's sort of isolated out there by himself the way that they've been playing with him at, uh, with the 4-3-3. So, I, you know, right now he's what at 31 now. It's slowed down a little bit. It's not the uh, a dominant player that he once was, but still very dangerous. Uh, you know, I, may, maybe you do get a second striker. Maybe uh, the 4-4-2 is the better look for him at this point. Yeah, it could be. Um, you know, being the late runner, being the second guy, being the back post run or the near post run when somebody else is switching to the other side, all those things really can increase. Uh, you know, I think Chicharito's effectiveness. Well, and, he's been a poacher for a long time, right? right? So, I mean, so, he has so the reputation of being a poacher. Yeah, so let him be that guy. I mean, really, you know, don't fight it. But that means that you're going to have to have somebody. You know, that could be from the from the midfield as well. That could mean that you know you have somebody who's the the central attacking midfielder that is an offensive threat that does put a lot of balls in there. 
that can then feed Chicharito or Chicharito can look to poach, you know, off of those shots and how it goes. So um, just I, again, I, I think there's some good questions out there. I think these next six games are going to be rough for the LA Galaxy. I don't see a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, having said that, the LA Galaxy making a move and bringing in somebody like Yanni Gonzalez seems like it could be an answer. Um, and it's a loan, I believe, with an option to buy. I don't think we we specifically spelled that out, but it looks like it's a loan with an option to buy. There's criticism about loans, which is you know you don't get guys locked up for a long time. But the other t- the, the, Kevin, you gave the opposite criticism as well, which is if you lock up a guy for three years, you have no flexibility to move him when it doesn't work out. And people Gonzalez is one of those guys um, that certainly that could be Chicharito could be that way as well. But the longer term contracts can also come back to bite you. Um, you know, I think Bruce Arena is great by always sort of going the the one year in the option. Um, that's tough to do to always get people. And quite honestly, the Galaxy are bad enough right now. They're probably paying a premium for players instead of pay- getting a discount. Bruce used to get a discount. The Galaxy are probably paying more to try to get guys. You, you, you know why it worked with Bruce, though? Because Bruce had a reputation of being so loyal. And I distinctly remember him with Sean Franklin and with a number of other players uh, uh, with, uh, um, God, with with Juninho, with a lot of players, uh, Marcelo Sarvis. When their one year and their and their option was up and they didn't fit in going into the future, mainly because of money reasons, guys needed big raises. Bruce would go to them and say, "If I have to deal you, where do you want to go? What kind of deal do you want?" So it wasn't like it was like you know we don't like what LAFC did with Stephen Bettisor. We don't want you anymore. Good luck, uh, you know, in the rest of your life. Bruce worked with these guys and let them know they were valuable and tried to help them land in the right place. He did that with Mike McGee when he went back to Chicago. So. You would sign a contract with a guy like that, uh, maybe, uh, you know, for a a shorter term contract, knowing that you're going to be taken care of uh, down the road because he's going to look out for you even when you don't fit into his plans. I'm not so sure that that uh, that mindset exists, not just with the Galaxy, but with a lot of other teams as well. The idea of, you know, even when your contract's up, you're still part of our family. And that's another reason why guys like Matt Reese and Burhalter and others came back to the Galaxy as coaches when they were done playing. Yeah, I mean, you can look at the Dave Romney situation. Dave wanted out, you know, Dennis gave him that way out. Um, and that's the way that things sort of have to work. Um, but it's going to take a while, I think, for the LA Galaxy to repair some of those damages that have been done in recent years. Uh, and everybody knows it. The players talk all the time. We know they do. Um, all right, I think that about does it. Kevin, you have anything else you want to add on uh, before we get out of no, here. Can you explain to me what a, what a Discord is? No, I'm not going to. I, we tried to beforehand. I said there, there's a lot of Discord in the Galaxy locker room, I heard. There is, there is a lot of Discord. Year. There is a lot of Discord, that is for sure. Uh, I told you it's a cross between Twitter and a, like, you know, a chat room. It's almost, it makes me feel like the old AOL chats, to be honest with you. Um, so it's back to the future. Just just with, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I would say that the, the chat just with a little bit less, you know, teenage hormones. That's I, I, when we get back to typewriters. Yeah, <laughs> I'll definitely let you know. Uh, my grandmother, by the way, who still works at our office, um, still uses a typewriter on occasion. And whenever we fire it up, you can hear it like across the whole thing because it's loud and obnoxious and everything else. It's still still humorous. All right. Uh, I, have fax, I have a fax machine. I, <laughs> do you know the argument I had to have with my dad over over taking the fax machine number off of like our email signature? I'm like, listen, if they want to fax you something, they'll just ask you for the fax number. OK, it doesn't have to be on every single email. Nobody cares anymore about the, the only we just get cruise offers Um, you know, all the time on our fax line anymore that's it that's the only thing that comes across can you send you a fax or a message by pterodactyl either either one works all right uh la galaxy will play against lafc coming up on saturday 3 p.m kickoff time uh fox and fox deportes for that 
Um, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11, and then head on over to the LA Times. Kevin getting ready to cover a whole bunch more soccer, six games coming up, so make sure you head on over there, cover all his soccer stuff, latimes.com is where you can find it. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jguessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, at Galaxy Podcast. Um, and then, of course, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Uh, and then for our Discord server, look in the show notes, look on Twitter, look on Facebook. We posted the link out there so that way you can come in and join our Discord server as well. And we can have a good time chatting about the LA Galaxy. And I'm going to tell you, it is active. People have some good opinions. Uh, there's some bad opinions that are funny. And there's just some funny stuff in there as well. So uh, a lot of really good interactive stuff is coming. We hope you join us there. All right. Uh, that does it for Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter. I'm Josh Pato Guessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening. and We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.